Welcome to TSOH Weekly, uh, episode number five, as Francisco and I just figured out. I'm Alex Morris of the TSOH Investment Research Service. With me, Francisco Oliveira of Aravilo Capital Management. Today, we're going to talk about Roblox, which a little bit of background on the company. Um, if you Right before the pandemic, the company had about 15 million DAUs. Um, it had been around for over a decade at that point. It's you know an online gaming platform, essentially. Um, it was a very significant COVID beneficiary uh, in the second quarter of 2020. They actually added just shy of 10 million uh, sequential DAUs, taking the number from 24 to 33 and a half. Um, so very significant beneficiary, you know, came into 21. A lot of questions about sustainability of that lift um, with a lot of uh, work on the company's end. They managed to to hold that and then to grow from there. And, you know, you get to today, second quarter of 23, they're at 65 and a half million DAUs. So, you know, about 15 million at the start of 2019, 65 and a half today. Uh, you look at a, a metric like bookings, which you can basically think of as kind of a revenue number. Um, that's that's probably going to get up to about three and a half billion dollars this year. Uh, that was 500 million in 2018. So, you know, it's kind of very significant growth across the board in terms of user count, Good engagement metrics, good revenue metrics, et cetera. Um, you know, Francisco, maybe jump in here. The thing that kind of stands out about the company is direct listing in March 2021 closes the first day, just shy of $70 a share. As we're talking now in August 2023, uh, it's it's just shy of $30 a share. So stock has not done well. And maybe you can dig into why why that's happened. Yeah, I think two, two things. Um, in with the benefit of hindsight, obviously, when it went public in in March twenty twenty one, there was a lot of enthusiasm for for metaverse, and and throughout the year, and you had uh, Facebook change its name to Meta, you had a uh, um, an ETF on metaverse launch. Um, Matt Ball, a, a popular thinker, uh, was writing many pieces that were were very well received. Um, you know, a lot of people were still, you know, at home, right? And 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 seeing these products that you interact virtually, um, was there, everyone was pretty still pretty bullish on it, inclu- including myself. And as you got to the end of the year, the stock went pretty parabolic. So I think some reversion to a more reasonable multiple has a lot to do to do with with the price, how 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 much it has fallen, right? And and more than half from just like the first trading numbers, but it, it reached, you know, I think 120, 130 uh, at the peak. And then the other the other side of that is that, yes, to your point, they've maintained fairly healthy growth on on the top line on daily active users, hours engaged and booking, which were all up um, over 20 percent these past couple quarters. I think the the other thing, though, is that they've been aggressively investing in the business in back in 2020, their R and D was only two, you know, $200 million, basically LT on an LTM basis is 1.1 billion. Um, you, you look at infrastructure cost in 2020, $260 million or so on an LTM basis. They were, they are um, over 800 million and they're all, and these, all these line items are growing fairly quickly, fairly, you know, some of them even at double the rate um, as your bookings growth. They spend a lot of money on the stock-based compensation. They've they've acknowledged that they don't want to dilute shareholders beyond 
um, you know, 5% of shares outstanding. Um, but on the LTN basis, they have over $700 million in stock-based compensation. And we're talking about an enterprise value today under, under 20 billion. So pretty, pretty big numbers. And with these expenses, right, put pressure on margin, um, EBITDA was 600 million in, in 2020, which was inflated because we have the flood of new users and bookings. You know, it took time for some of the expenses uh, to catch up there and in investing in, in, in the platform at, at that bigger scale. Nevertheless, EBITDA 600 million 2020 on an LTM basis is 325. So you take a very enthusiastic stock market and you take a business that just really went after their own profitability and invested an enormous amount of money. Um, and you have two things that right now uh, investors don't want to touch, you know, highly popular names in the past and, and, and companies that are hurting profitability as opposed to cutting cost and driving what, you know, many companies uh, have said, but Meta uh, Metaverse, formerly Facebook, has championed well the year of efficiency. So they have not done their own year of, of efficiency, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's an interesting comparison because in the in the meta case, as as we discussed on here recently, as as, as I've written written about a lot over at TSOH, you know, you had what made it particularly interesting in my mind is is the combination of the ATT and macro stuff and and the impact it had on the top line and obviously FRL too. Um, so it was a situation where the call for efficiency is a little bit different than it is here in my mind, where you're looking at, as you noted, you know, um, bookings growth is in over, over 20% year over year. The guidance makes, makes it sound like we might get a bit of acceleration in the second half. You know, it's just when you have a CEO in, in Dave Bazuki who's talking about a billion DAUs effectively, and, you know, they're at, they're at 65 million today. There's a long, long way to go. And, you know, you can, in theory, you can kind of run it at, you know, something close to break even in terms of free cash flow or a metric like that. And whether or not that's actually the wrong decision is is kind of a tough question to answer, depending on how big you think the opportunity is, how how important it is, or how how meaningful it'll be to have a huge scale advantage, right? Because I think I think one thing I definitely say is you get a sense they spend a lot of money on things that uh, maybe are not helping revenues today or tomorrow, but it's kind of the core infrastructure development and it's ensuring that this is is a sustainable and growing kind of platform um, yeah and look to that point um they have two billion dollars of, of net cash they issued some pretty pretty advantageous bonds um about two years ago at at, at low interest rates um so they have a billion dollars of debt but they have three billion dollars of, of cash they've basically kept that net cash balance at two billion for some time now um, so the, you know, with all these investments, they've basically been, for the most part, free cash flow. Uh, even yes, they've, you know, uh, issued a lot of stock for stock-based compensation, but they haven't really hurt their financial health and balance sheet to make these investments. And what they guided to in the last, you know, couple of calls have been were a little bit more explicit on this call is that hey, look, our cost of revenue, which are mostly payments to Apple and Google. We're starting to get operating leverage on that. They got operating leverage on that because they can nudge users to 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 pay for the currency that they use in the service. 
um, directly in a, on a browser or to use gift cards and, and things like that. They said that infrastructure investments will gain operating leverage next quarter. Um, to put that in perspective, bookings was, was up in the low 20% this quarter and, and infrastructure expenses were up over 40% this quarter. So that's going to start to swing. And then early next year, basically all of their expenses, which include R&D, um, GNA, marketing, will get operating leverage there. So if you believe they can maintain the growth and if you believe that they're going to reach these operating leverage targets, you could start to get a fairly meaningful swing in profitability because it's a healthy unit economic business at the end of the day. Users pay upfront cash um, for the service and Roblox get a float of sorts as that cash trickles down to the, to the developers of the service, right? It's like a creator economy, um, mm -hmm. user-generated content service. And and they have a mode, right? They have um, daily active users are still small relative to the billion dollars that Dave Bazuki uh, said, but they're, they're targeting $800 million in payments to developers this year, which fairly meaningful amount of money in, in the gaming world. Yeah. And maybe since we're up on time, it's something to close on. I think you, with the back half guidance and, you know, reasonable expectations for next year, I, I, I don't think it's uh, crazy to think that bookings are up around $4 billion next year. And this is a business that, uh, when it was when it was really humming, uh, had you know mid twenties free cash flow margins on a, a TTM basis, and I think they have a guide for twenty percent plus long term, right? So, yep. um, you know, four billion and and twenty five percent gets you to a billion dollars free cash flow, and um, I I don't think Mister Market is is pricing that in as happening anytime soon. So maybe an interesting yeah. interesting stock, interesting company that we'll probably be talking about again down the road. But that's all we have time for today. Perfect.